So y'all probably know how much I love Jenny Nash's blueprint books. They really are the closest thing I've found to a guide for getting through draft after draft. I start with them and I go back to them when I'm stuck. Her blueprints keep me on track and help me write the book I set out to write for the readers I hope to reach. For memoirists, I have fantastic news. Her newest blueprint, Blueprint for a Memoir, How to Write a Memoir for the Marketplace, is coming August 1st, 2023. So if you're listening to this in real time, there is a fantastic event available only to those who pre-order, a live or recorded if you want to wait, deep dive into the four key steps of memoir writing with a chance for Jenny Nash to select you for a live hot seat coaching session to review your work and an entry to win her grand prize, a written review of your blueprint and an exclusive 50-minute strategy session with Jenny. I think this blueprint is Jenny's best yet with insights into storytelling that I'll be using in all of my work. So find all the details for the book and the pre-order event at bookcoaches.com backslash podcast. And of course, as always, link in the show notes. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Hashtag Am Writing Summer Series on ideation, ideas, having all the ideas. That's it. There's probably a, a, a um, synonym for that that I could be using right now just to ferry things up, but I, I'm i not going to. So with me today are Rachel Heron of the um, How Do You Write podcast, which y'all have heard me, heard me talk about pretty much at and of course, Jenny Nash, who's been on all the summer episodes, so she needs no introduction. Um, and let's take it away. We're here to talk about ideas and memoir. Ah, I'm so excited to have Rachel on because this is the best person, I think, to talk about memoir and, and ideation and, and just all the things. So welcome and thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here and I'm talking about one of my favorite things to ever talk about with two of my favorite people. I'm so happy to see both of you. Podcasts are just this wonderful excuse to also hang out with awesome people. So wholeheartedly yeah. agree. I feel that every day. I'm so lucky to to get to be in this seat in the summer with KJ and with the guests. So so memoir, it's interesting to me to think about the fact at all that there could be choices in memoir that there that the idea stage is a place of debate or contemplation and i want to just talk about that fact with with um both of you all and why some people don't understand that fact that that there's choice so rachel what do you see in your classes and with people in general wanting to write memoir at this that idea stage that goes to that i think what i see most of all is people coming to me and their ideas are so, they're so big. They've had amazing, varied, interesting lives where they have lived different lives in succession. They were this and then this happened and then this terrible thing happened and this amazing thing happened and they want to shoehorn it all into a book, which makes sense. But I always kind of take it back a step and think about the campfire. And if we're at the campfire, and there is a person sitting to my right, and she says, 
Um, you know, I was born in Detroit and my mom wasn't that great. And then I took swimming lessons when I was seven and I almost drowned. And then I, you know, my first boyfriend was not the greatest and I met my husband, but then he died. But the person to my right says, this one time when I was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, my wife, who had been training with me, disappeared. <laughs> I want to hear about Mount Kilimanjaro. I don't care about her swimming lesson. Or, you know what? I want to actually be even more clear than that. Perhaps the guy to my right says, I learned how to cook in order to save my son's life. Like, it doesn't have to be Kilimanjaro. It doesn't have to be big. It can be about cooking. But it's the story that we lean into. We don't lean into the, um, oh, and Jenny, you talk about this so beautifully. We don't lean into anything that goes, and then, and then, and then, and then. We lean into stories that have arcs, that have structure, that have the, this happened, and because of that, this was inevitable and therefore I suffered in this way. And then I had to choose to feel this way and take another action. That's what we lean into. And so, but but most people who come to me thinking about memoir don't understand that. Because here's the thing about memoir writers who want to be memoir writers. There are, there are writers who are born writers and they just want to write something in their lives. And they've always been thinking about writing. And then there are equally valid the people who realize at a certain age that they want to write a book and they want to write about their lives. And so they haven't had the thought about the structure thing. So they don't know. They don't know that autobiography is not the same as a memoir. Well, that's what I just wanted to say is, is there's a difference. A biography is someone's life story written by someone else. An autobiography is your life story written by you, usually at the end of life and usually only because you're very, very famous and notable. A memoir is a chunk of your life that has a universal message. Not, I mean, message yeah. sounds deep, but a universal theme that everyone um, can relate to and take something away from. So, you know, a memoir is wild. A biography is Hamilton, not the yeah. musical, but the, the book. And an autobiography, who even does that anymore? Nobody. Quentin, I love that. I love that quote from Quentin Crisp, who said, um, "Autobiography is a serialized obituary with the last chapter missing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, you don't want to write that. You so don't. We're putting like, like that's definitely not the goal. The one that I always think of autobiography is. I read uh, Catherine Graham. She's the woman who was running the Washington Post at the time of the Watergate scandals, and she. It's an incredible story of when she grew up in her childhood and she was part of this this family that ran these papers and then she stepped into that role and we want all of those pieces of that life we want the childhood and the college and she was going to get married and you know we want all of those things because where she ended up but we don't want them about the the woman who had swim lessons we don't care um yeah. and when you hit a memoir that doesn't work it's usually the memoir of someone pretty famous who wasn't willing to dig in mm -hmm. and who didn't want to tell you one story. So, you know, if you are a super famous pop star, I might like a memoir about you getting discovered, or I might like a memoir about you avoiding paparazzi, or I might like a menu memoir about your parent who turned out only to be interested in you for the money. But I don't want all those things in one book, but when what I really don't want is like, 
your idle musings on song writing and clothes, you know, with some thoughts about your perfectly normal and uneventful childhood. There's nothing interesting in that. One of my least favorite types of memoirs when students bring me the memoirs that they want to write when they're talking about it um, is the, I call it rudely, I'm sorry, but I call it the I'm so awesome memoir. And... (laughs) And and this is oh I was at a conference once y'all and I I was the keynote and I was speaking about memoir and I said I said you know all the kinds of memoirs that you know, that are difficult to write that we don't really want to read and I said that I am so awesome memoir and I said and honestly you're probably not in danger I'm saying to the group this you know hundreds of people you're probably not in danger of writing the I'm so awesome memoir unless you're a man of a certain age who fought in a war as a fighter pilot and and um, yeah. and and then a man came up to me after it oh, and he said no. he said I'm really offended by what you said because I was in the war and and I said I am so sorry thank you for your service you're amazing I didn't mean that about you um I was and, I, and then I elaborated on what I said in the speech which was what I want to see I want to see the awesome fighter pilot moments. I want to see those. But I also want to see the scared, broken, crying, want to go home. Why did I do this? I want to see the broken bits of you. And then he says, I agree, I should have written that. And then he slid his book over to me because it was too late. And he signed it for me. And I just felt terrible. Oh, and I, yeah, and I know. Fun. I'll read a memoir yeah. about that. <laughs> conference moments by Rachel. So what we're talking about, what we're talking about is, is the fact that a good memoir is a story. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a dramatic story, meaning somebody doesn't have to almost die, or you didn't have to almost be famous, but it has to be a story. And so we're talking at the idea stage about seeing in the elements of your life, what a story is. And I think that's the skill at the idea stage that's difficult because it's difficult to step outside of the things that happen to you and and to choose and you have to choose. And I think that's what's hard is everything that happened in your life is important to you. The swimming lessons for this poor woman that we're now harping on who's a fictional <laughs> woman, but still, you know, we're probably important to her, but they're not important in any story she might tell. And so it's weeding out what what a story is and and choosing which story you want to tell and then picking the bits that tell that story that's so hard. And at the at the idea stage, there's so much material. It's your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing, speaking as a, a former editor who read a lot of essays, um, David Sedaris has done us all a disservice. Mm-hmm. Everything in David Sedaris's life is funny and interesting. He can literally pick up trash by the side of the road and make that a funny and interesting story. You are probably not David Sedaris. You know, I have to say, I just did some research on him because I wrote a piece years ago called My Davis Sedaris Problem. And it was as a book coach that everybody would come and say, well, I just want to do what David Sedaris does, which is write a bunch of things. Uh, in yeah, funny, funny things about my life that yeah. starts with a little dialogue and then gets deeper. And that, yeah. So yeah. I went to try to find my own piece. I couldn't, I didn't have it on my computer. So I went out to the internet to, to try to find my own piece. And what came up was a, a relatively recent piece in which it was revealed that 
most of David Sedaris' stories aren't actually true, that he he embellishes and he... They're true-ish. They're true-ish. And, and that everybody... Oh, wow. Every, yeah, I know. I was really surprised. And it's not that they're lies. It's that he kind of... Like, did he work as an elf at Macy's? Yes. But, like, did the events really... You know what I mean? And he kind of turns the dial up and into... They sort of bump up against fiction-ish. And that, too, is a thing that if an average not famous person tries to do, they probably will get dragged through the mud. Yeah, absolutely. So we're agreed. You you need it. You need an actual idea. You need a chunk of your life. And I mean, I guess I would differentiate and say, maybe you are Elizabeth Gilmer. You know, maybe you could do the stunt memoir. That's a different, like she had, you know, that was lightning in a bottle, which I think she may have mixed feelings about actually. Um, but that was a thing like she had an idea and she set out to do it and she had a very narrow set and of stuff that she was she was with. paid in advance to do it she was paid handsomely yes, was. to do it and that's something that people don't always know is that like she didn't accidentally eat pray love her way across you know all the no, countries she had an idea and she, she had a contract in hand and she went yeah. to do it because she had a theme around it. And that's what I, I like to talk about a lot when we're talking about this these choices is that you can go broad with a theme that you look at across your life. Like, um, uh, let's go back to our lovely woman with the swim lessons. I would read a memoir about a swimmer who was looking at her life through the pools in which she swam and what was happening in her life around that. I mean, like, I really actually want to read that right now. You especially a, would because you are as, a swimmer. So. I'm a pretty passionate swimmer. My life swimmer. in 10 pools in the ocean. That's what it, you would Oh, read. see? Oh, I, see? Take my... Take my money. I want to. I want to read now. I want to write that as well. Thank you, KJ, for putting it's that a great in my docket. I know, it's so good. <laughs> or so we look. We can look at a theme across our lives, or we can look at a specific period of time, and that's you know, and, and when we did something, and that period of time could be from the ages of ten to forty-five, as long as we're talking about a specific story, or it can be the time we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, or the time we did what Elizabeth Gilbert did, but it's a, it's so we can look at either a theme across life or a chunk of time when something happened. And that kind of helps people narrow it down to if they have that in mind, that all of your great stories, all of the, the stories that you do tell to people at the campfires or at the dinner table, where people lean forward and listen to every word you say, you will not, the normal human being will not be able to fit all of those amazing stories into one memoir. But that's okay, because maybe you have multiple memoirs in you. Yeah. If that's your, and if that's your heart's desire, Danny Shapiro, multiple memoirs. Danny um, Shapiro is such well, a great example. Elizabeth Gilbert, yeah. Elbert, yeah. Uh, Gilbert, multiple memoirs. Um, Absolutely. Um, those are the two that don't spring be, to mind. Don't be Ovisgard or whatever. I just was Je looking at his books. Jenny, oh, what is her name? Uh, Jenny, she's the funny one. Jenny Lawson. Oh, Lawson. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Tons of them. Yeah. But with yeah. different angles on mm -hmm. each. But, you know, Dan, um, uh, oh, who is a uh, uh, Carr, Mary Carr? She, Mary Carr is really interesting because she has a very unique look at different parts of her life. Like she's got the book about her mom. But then in all of her other books, her mom sneaks in because her mom is always going to be a very big part of her life. Right. But but she focused one book on mom and one book on alcoholism. And Yeah. So the mom, the mom thing question idea is a is a good one to explore when you're thinking about how to 
how to structure your idea or take your thing. Everybody has a mom story and and lots of people want to write the mom story. The recent uh, Jeanette McCurdy book. Oh, it's so, great, wasn't it? So good. So good. I mean, and you knew from the title that it was going to be good. And, and it was called I Can't. No, I'm happy my mom died. I'm happy. Glad, yeah, I'm happy I'm, my mom I'm died. Glad my I'm mom glad died. my mom died. Um, yeah, and that's a celebrity. I mean, I guess she's a uh, she's a celebrity. She is a celebrity. She didn't with- just write like a celebrity memoir about my celebrity life. I'm so awesome. Oh no, 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 no. She went there, and that's why that takes off. Whereas you know, I could pull out a half dozen celebrity memoirs where you were just like, no, oh, yawn. But what what Jeanette McCurdy did that was so beautiful was you t- you can tell right from the title she's writing about her mother she's writing about the damage her mother did to her she's writing about how she became aware of that how she survived that what she thinks of that now it there's a structure and a shape to writing about her mom it's not just here's all the things about my mom it's very specific very harrowing in this quietly subversive awful way things that her mom did as a being a stage mom but then i think about other mom memoirs like um terry tempest williams refuge where she juxtaposes what is that word juxtaposes i can't even say it juxtaposes yes that's it juxtaposes The death of her mother with the death of the Great Salt Lake. So it's this natural system and this and this death of her mother. And it's and these two, it's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous conceit, if you will. So there's a structure, there's a there's a way into it that you're not just writing your, about your mom, like here are all the things about my mom. It's it's taking that idea and making a a structure out of uh, imposing a structure upon it that that is what the ideation is in memoir is that yeah Do we- uh, yeah and i think that's absolutely beautiful and also when we're thinking about these choices we make in memoir i think Jeanette McCurdy is a great example of looking at you know she had this great mom story the mom you know the stage mom thing but if we're looking at our choices we always need to be thinking about ourselves as the main character because no matter what in memoir, no matter who is bigger than life in a memoir, the reader almost doesn't care. They care about the main character, the I character, that you who are writing the memoir. And we want to see your broken pieces. Jeanette McCurdy never, she takes a very long time to realize on the page, my mom was horrible and abusive. We see her on the pages we see her choosing to show herself and how she was reacting to her mom. She doesn't really criticize her mom. She just shows her mom doing these things and the kid, Jeanette, saying, oh, wow, there must be a reason for that. And we see all the broken bits. She chooses to focus on herself. And there were some parts in that book where I can't actually remember what they were, but she wrote a couple of lines and I thought to myself, I cannot believe you just admitted that. I can't believe you said that. And that is what we want in memoir are these brave points. And when people are thinking about choices, I like to – Think about like if you write down the big things in your life that you would like to talk about in a memoir, what is the one that makes you feel most uncomfortable and most nervous about sharing with anybody else? And then go there. That's yeah. That's where the juice is. This is probably a me- memoirists are often not people you want to sit by on a long flight. <laughs> 
I've met some of them in person where I really enjoyed the memoir and been like, oh, you're this confessional in real life too. So that's, that's a different, perhaps that's a personal problem, but it is what you're saying. Like it should maybe be a story you wouldn't tell to make people laugh at a dinner party. I mean, that maybe that gets in there, but it should probably have a lot of stuff in it that you wouldn't, you know, just right. Toss out at, at, um, at somebody's birthday party. To your point, KJ, one thing that I see coming up a lot is we we are now wholly in the time of of the blog and the newsletter. We're we're probably post the time of the blog and the newsletter where a lot of people write a lot of short pieces for public consumption now. And Facebook. And and Facebook. Mm -hmm. People yeah. Yeah. People do their little paragraphs. And we're even Even Instagram. Yeah. If you're running into the Instagram word limit, then you're writing little tiny <laughs> essays on Instagram. That's me. <laughs> Jenny's putting her hand up. That's me. Uh, I I do that. But the um, there's so many people that write this form now and that do it quite well. And there's that form is not suitable to memoir. Uh, writing a 500 word piece and and having it come around at the end and having have a little point and a little something and a little you know juice you you really can't just take a bunch of those and put them together and have a memoir that's a cohesive whole so what we're talking about is a bigger story choosing what that theme or point is going to be choosing a structure around it and um Rachel what are your thoughts on in an earlier episode this summer, KJ talked about this brilliant thing that she does where she goes to the airport when she's working on a, a fiction idea. And that's her way of ideating and, and iterating and figuring is thinking about positioning in the marketplace, thinking about what sells, thinking how to take her ideas and measure them against the market, if you will. And it's just such a genius way of, of doing that. How does one take their memoir idea and look at the marketplace and learn something or uh, figure out positioning? What's the mechanism for that with memoir? So for that, I have seen great success with writing down the top, maybe, you know, I, I love numbers. I love giving myself an arbitrary constraint, like, you know, write down the five things that, or write down the 10 things that, so write down the 10 things or the five things that you are thinking that a memoir could be about, that you would be passionate about writing. And then I really like to use Amazon for the search engine that it is, because it is one of the most powerful search engines in the world. And I go to the memoir bestseller list. And I just scroll through and I look at the memoirs that catch my eye and open them up. You don't have to read them all. Look at the blurb and see what they're about. Um, you can look down at the reviews to see how people are reacting to them. You, you could find gold in there about pe- how people hate them. Like what are they, what, what don't they love? But, you know, we don't want to attach a lot of weight to what other people think about our ideas. Um, but does anything on that list that you have written down, does it sparkle to you? Are there other memoirs out there that are a little bit like this? If you are thinking about writing, uh, you know, a DNA story like Danny Shapiro's Inheritance or or any of those, if you're, if you're thinking about writing that, 
I think that there is social proof out there if other memoirs are being read and purchased by publishers and people are reading them. The really wonderful thing about humans is that we always want more of the same but different. You know, mm. I I finished tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and immediately wanted more of the same but different. And so in memoir, it is the same. If you see something that is working well and something on your list really sparkles to you, think about expanding that idea out a little bit. I do like to go where the sparkle is. And um, it can be actually helpful. This is a strange exercise. Um, but it can be helpful to go sit down with a with a friend at a cafe and you've got the five ideas that you might want to write a memoir about. You know that you don't want to write an autobiography. You want to write something that matters to you, but you've got these five cool things that you could write about. Um, the the marriage that succeeded and the twins, one of them who died, you know, or the time that you got your PhD in this or whatever it is. Take a friend out to lunch and give them the specific instruction can you please watch my face and tell me later? Just watch my face while I'm telling you these things. And don't tell them what you're doing yet. Just say, watch my face while I'm telling you these. And then you tell them to them. You, you kind of explain what the, each book could be about. And then afterwards, you say, where did my face light up the most? Because we can't control our faces. We, we get so excited about something, even though if we don't want to admit it. I love mm -hmm. that so much. I I cannot even tell Your you how face. much. No, I know because <laughs> I just am going through this in a different realm, but it's the exact same thing. My 27-year-old daughter is applying for jobs. She's living abroad and she's coming back to the US and she's and she's applying to jobs all over the US and and it's this hilarious exercise in like well, do I want to live in New York City or do I want to live in rural Vermont? Or, you know, like, what are the pros and cons of, I mean, it's just hilarious because it's so arbitrary and it's gotten a little exhausting as the mother. And so all I can go on is when her voice lights up. That's all yes. I got. And because I'm not, I, I'm not actually seeing her face. We, we talk on, on a program that I don't get to see her face, but but I hear her voice and it's very clear. And it's like, you do not want to go work at that school in Texas. I can just hear it in your voice. And she says, yeah, no, I don't. But but until you know you go through that. So I just think this is absolute genius. I love it so much. And it can be, and, and actually it's really helpful for things like sitting down with a friend. Do I write the, do I write the book about Mount Kilimanjaro? Or do I write the, the book about um, my, my, my twins. And most people would lean to, and, and that's what people do is they think I should write the Kilimanjaro book. Cause that's, you know, it's the Kilimanjaro book, but your friend will be able to see like, oh, you looked really thoughtful. And while you were talking about Kilimanjaro and then you melted when you were talking about the book about your kids, like that is what's actually your core story right now. The other thing to remember about memoir is that we have a core story for a memoir. And we go hard at it and we make a choice. We dedicate ourselves to this choice, always knowing that, again, like a, a really interesting 22-year-old could have five successful memoirs and they would all be different. I think that that 22-year-old would have to be pretty exceptional because I was really boring at 22. But if you finish this memoir after you've gone hard at it, you can roll into the next one. Do the kids and then do the Kilimanjaro. But yeah, poor Kilimanjaro. If it means a lot to you, it doesn't need to be Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, think about 
I will look who it, who it, the guy up, but the guy who wrote the memoir about going back to his family sheep farm, um, and it was huge, and I loved it, and I devoured it all, and I will I will buy any memoir in which you either a buy a farm and ineptly uh, have cat- catastrophes, or b go home to your family farm and run it. And that person would have said that was the most boring thing in his entire life, and in fact, he didn't want to do it because it was boring. Yeah. Right. Um, and yet it, it was the most meaningful thing in the end. So this it is an entire genre. It doesn't have to be Kilimanjaro. Memoir. Yes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when people are coming to memoir, they they have what we've been talking about, which is multiple ideas that they could write. Other times I find that they have one idea that's really calling to them and burning in them. And it's usually because something has happened that has a tragic nature to it, that maybe there, there's a lot of grief um, memoirs in this. A lot of people come to me with ideas around grief. A lot of people come and grief could be, I got divorced, my mom died, my child died, I'm dying. Uh, there's many forms of, of a, what I mean in that category, but they come with this burning thing. And even in that situation, you have to choose because that's a big, general, messy, amorphous thing to say, I want to write a memoir about grief. And and I, KJ and I have spoken about this before. I, I love all the grief memoirs, and she doesn't. And I just bring me all the grief memoirs. I will read them and I will love them. But But they have to still be structured. You still have to choose. You still have to have the theme and the point so that coming up with an idea also applies if you if you're very clear what you're writing does does right that... so i want to give an example you know i'm going to just if, if you go to an agent and you say i have a terrible disease i am dying i have small children i would like to write about that that agent is going to say this is a really hard thing for that agent has a canned response for this yeah i'm sorry that sucks i really do feel for you but that's not an interesting story. On the other hand, these are the hundred notes I wrote to put in my kids' lunch boxes after oh. I'm gone. Yeah. Well, some guy did essentially that, right? Yeah. And that they're going to be like, yes, I will sob all the way through um, that. But yes, yes, give me that. So same person, same yeah. story, much uh, you know, because you can't tell all of it, even when all of it is not like your whole life. Yeah. And you can't, what that first person did is assume, well, this, I used to get this a lot when those, when those, that software first came out where, where if somebody was in the hospital, you could have a shared place where everybody would update about this person's condition. And, and, it was so helpful. I, I, I don't even know what t- era this was. It feels like it was pre-email. Is that possible? Am I that old? Yeah, it was like late 90s, maybe. I remember that too. <laughs> right? Like the internet was barely Yahoo and like two yes. other sites. Yeah. And, and people yeah. came to me several, I remember four or five. I have these 
things that we wrote while the person was in the hospital getting their heart transplant and and I want that to be a book and and it was like that's not that's not a book nobody cares and they were like oh no people were hanging on every word and it's like yes because they knew that person and they yeah. loved that person and they wanted to know what was going to happen to that person but the the example that KJ just gave of that person going to the agent saying my my spouse had a heart transplant and we were all hanging in every word they're going to be like yeah we don't we don't know your spouse and we don't love your spouse therefore we don't care but the the yeah. lunchbox example puts- my wife died of a tragic disease no my wife died of a tragic disease and left a note explaining that she wants me to marry her best friend and then we yes. did yes and you know yes. modern love these are i mean modern that's, love. that's yes, another that one that was amazing it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good um, test for it. <laughs> if it won't make a modern love column, it's probably not going to uh, interest an agent. And let's just to be clear, that's what we're talking here. If you want to write the story of a thing that happened to you because it's going to be valuable and interesting to your family or your children, uh, you should still do your very best with that and make it a, a story, you know, make it something that they really want to be there for. But that doesn't have to that's that's different then you are doing a different thing than what we are talking about here we are talking about um memoirs that would be read by people that have never met you mm-hmm. and it needs that angle and it needs that so the angle is kind of the hook that brings us in and it has to have the character arc motion and you have to know what that is this this main character you went from being something that is completely relatable and something that has different attributes and traits that is also relatable, but works in a better way. Um, and it doesn't have to be prescriptive. It doesn't have to be preachy, but it does have to model something. And just telling a sad story where you are sad, that's not what I want to see modeled. I want to see, and we always want, in all of the books we read, we want to see growth, change, um, unless we're writing a tragedy, we want to see some kind of success. It doesn't have to be tied neatly with a bow, but we, we want to see that person standing, you standing in a better place and know how you got there. Well, this is probably a good time for us to mention Rachel's own memoir, which does all of these things that we're talking about in such a charming and powerful way. And I, I wrote down before we got on, I, I went and re-looked at the table of contents because I wanted to remind myself of the specific terms because it's so great. So the the book is called A Life in Stitches and the specific form is these different kinds of actual stitches that that form the table of contents and that means something, you know, so it's casting on is the first the first one and then there's there's slipknot, there's chain stitch and there's a progression to the complexity of stitches. I love a good TOC. I'm like a total TOC nerd. If if I can look at a TOC and and just say what you know, say something like A, I wish I had written that book. B, I can't wait to read this book. C, this is just genius. Like if I have any of those reactions, I'm I'm done. Just by the TOC. And and your book is like that cuz it it takes this idea of we're going to look at knitting we're going to look at my life through knitting and we're going to do it with these specific stitch stitches that that form the structure and the whole it's just genius and and i wonder if you can remember the the stage of of forming that idea i i know you tell the story of 
somebody came to you and said, why don't you write a book about knitting and, and you've landed on the, I'll do it by these different sweaters, but how did you land on the, that specificity? Cause that, that's what KJ was just talking about. The going from the big idea. I'm going to write about knitting. I love knitting. I'm always knitting. It's going to be great <laughs> to <laughs> actually here's the specific way. It's going to be great. That's, that's interesting. So this was a book that um, Chronicle Press approached my agent about and said, we want Rachel to write um, a knitting pattern book. And my agent came to me and said, do you want to do that? And I said, no, I don't write patterns. I write books. I, I knit and I write books, but I don't write patterns. And I had written a couple for these um, uh, knitting romances that I had written. And it was it was terrible. It was like I had to revise those as well as the book. It was awful. Uh, so I came back to them and I said, what if I wrote a book about knitting? And I had had this idea for a long time. Um, back in 2002, I started my blog. And it was back when people were like, what's a blog? Oh, it's a web blog. Okay, so what do you do there? You tell, you talk to the world? Um, and it was called Yarnagogo. So I wanted to maybe write a book about Yarnagogo and maybe write a book about tra uh, knitting travel, going places and you know meeting people and traveling and knitting on the way. And this was one of those things where I sat down I don't know, for maybe for a month and tried to make this book work. And it just wasn't interesting. Yarn a go, go did not go, go. It did not, <laughs> it did not work as a book because what I was doing was I was telling a, a series of stories. Like, and then I went to Paris and then I went to Venice and then I went to New Zealand and it, it didn't work. Um, I love, uh, Cami Osman often says there in memoir, there's the what and the so what. And I, mm. I didn't have the so what. But when I, when I started thinking about a collection of essays about the knitting that was in my hand at the time certain things occurred, I knew that I could impose structure on that. I knew that I could have an inciting incident. I could have a context shifting moment. I knew what the dark moment was and I knew how I changed as a character. So I knew that I could put that together in a way because putting together a, a collection of essays in memoir form is complex already. We don't want it to be and then and then and then. We want it to have the whole structure of an actual memoir. So um, that's what I got to play with doing. And it was it was awesome. And it really taught me so much about the craft of memoir. And that's when I fell in love with it. And that's when I started teaching it. And that's what I still write. I've got three memoirs in the hopper, one on my agent's desk. So and I, yeah, that's I have a book called Fast Draft Your Memoir. I taught it at Stanford. I, I love memoir. It's my jam. We knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it. yeah. It might, it so, might show. Yeah. Earlier, Jenny said, you know, that you can't take a bunch of blog posts and turn them into, yeah. or short pieces and turn them into a memoir. And I, and even at that moment, I thought, well, but there, you can write a memoir and essays, which is what Rachel has done. And also what our frequent guest, Mary Laura Philpott has done. Oh, and yeah. we have an episode yeah. that I will uh, tag in the show notes that is about structuring that. And so the first time that she did it, she had a bunch of essays and then she found that thread. And the second time she yes. was writing to a thread. So that, but then you're really just causing yourself even more problems because then you have to have the arc in every single essay and in the entire book. And um, there's this, yeah. there's, fun, sometimes fun, there's fun. A, 
it's it's hard and also I feel like sometimes it's unsatisfying for the reader to almost read every chapter and get a ooh nice little takeaway and then have to start over with the next essay and then end up with a nice little takeaway. So there's a there's a way in which I like to kind of almost take apart the essay. So maybe the takeaway from mm. this one doesn't land and you have to go to the next one so it does read more as a as a through line. But right. yeah, the, um, even Danny Shapiro talks about that. She she had been writing about writing for so long, and then she was writing her book about writing, and I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. I think it's. But she, I'm going to say it's on writing, but that's Kate Stephen King. But I still write it. Yeah. Still write. Still, still writing. writing. That's what it is. And yeah. she said that she thought she would just go pull the blogs because she had so many of them, and she put them together, and she went, "Well, there's not a book here. There's no book." She had to rewrite yeah. the whole thing from scratch. So yeah. So it's yeah, so interesting. It's sadly, well, not that easy. No. I feel like we're going to have to stop talking, which is sad, because I want to hear about all the new memoirs and all the things all the time. But I think we've given some good things to hang on to for people who are writing memoir and, and at the idea stage and trying to get off the idea stage and, and exercises to do and things. Is there is there anything we want to add, KJ? The one thing that I want to add, which might, it's hopefully going to segue us into another episode, is that as you're thinking about memoir ideas, um, you may find that you're sort of in this cloudy area between memoir and noun fiction, which is actually kind of where a life in stitches fits, mm-hmm. because it's a memoir and it's a book about knitting. It's not a how-to book. But so I was thinking when we were talking about the mom memoirs about Susan Cain's Bittersweet. Um, it's not a memoir. That's a book about the emotion of, or basically the emotion of nostalgia and the experience of uh, the feeling of things being bittersweet and why that is of value and why we are sort of more interested in the happy emotions. I didn't necessarily even think I would be interested in it, but I grabbed it because I love Susan Cain's Quiet so much. And if you read the whole thing and you read to the end, you realize that this is really Susan Cain reckoning with her relationship with her mother. That's the best and kind yet, of book. Oh my gosh. Exactly. It's also a book about, you know, it is all those other things. A lovely and, and really well done episode or a book about, uh, I, I would say nostalgia, but bittersweet is a much better title. Um, so it could be that you're, you know, you're, you thought memoir, but now you think maybe, you know, something a little different. So we'll talk about that in a in another summer episode. I can't wait to listen to that episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. It's just such a joy to see you. Thank this you. And listeners, watchers, if there are any, you will find links to all the books that we talked about and to everything Rachel, uh, her podcast, A Life in Stitches, Fast Draft Your Memoir, which we highly recommend, and just all all the other things, the the thrillers, which we so totally didn't touch on, but everything. And of course, there's a few more episodes on ideaing, ideaing, ideating to come. So thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us for this Summer Idea Factory episode. As always, you'll find all the relevant links in the show notes. And if you don't get those by email, you should, because every once in a while, we toss a bonus in there. Sign up at amwritingpodcast.com. And if I haven't already said so, let me send you out with the usual. This week, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game.
Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work. listening to me here, and you know you do, you'll love getting even more me by signing up for my totally erratic and frequently unexpected email, Box of Chocolates, so named because, you guessed it, you never know what you're going to get. But you can count on enough book recommendations to pack your TBR, debates with my cat over whose keyboard this actually is, mind-bending discussions over what makes a book fit into a genre and which is better, Cheez-Its or Goldfish, and even the occasional, probably more often than I realize, link to actual chocolate. Sign up on my Instagram, at KJDA, or on my website, kjdelantonia.com or on Substack, right where you find hashtag amwriting, where I am easily known as KJDA.